exciting to be worshiping the Lord. Just wherever you are, just join with me in prayer. Father, we thank you that you are here in this place, Lord. Even though we are not gathered in one room, we are gathered together in spirit. Wherever we are, at every stage of life, whether we're sitting in a, in a bus stop somewhere or sitting in our living room with friends and family, maybe uh, even watching this uh, uh, in some place we're not normally at, but Lord, we're together in your spirit. And we are thankful that today is Resurrection Sunday. And I pray, God, that you would encourage every person watching and listening to this, that you would bring hope and life, just like you did 2,000 years ago when resurrection life invaded this planet and death was defeated. I thank you, Lord, that you're bringing that same spirit, that same life today on Resurrection Sunday. We worship you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, guys, it's so good to be with you. Uh, my name is Jake, and my wife, Bethany, and I are the pastors at Joy Church here in Eugene and Springfield area, and we're so excited that you've decided to be with us today, uh, whether you're watching on TV or you're watching online. Uh, either way, that's great, and we're excited to be together. I wish I could hang out and give you a fist bump. No handshakes right now, but give you a fist bump, but this is, uh, this is great to be together on Easter Sunday. Um, I want to give you a couple of quick announcements, and then we're going to jump into an encouraging message. Well, at least I hope it's encouraging. Maybe for some people, they're like, well, what's encouraging, Pastor, is that you have to be done because this is timed on TV. So there you go. But a couple of quick announcements for you today. Um, at Joy Church, though our physical building and meeting is closed on Sundays, the church is not closed. We are open. We are serving people. We're connecting. We're doing all kinds of things. And a lot of those things are taking place online. Uh, in fact, even right now, if you are a parent with kids, uh, you've got kids that are tuning into the service today, you can actually go right now to joyeugene.com live, and we have content specifically for kids of all ages. It's ha happening right there on joyeugene.com live. But then throughout the week, we've got all kinds of great things happening. So if you go to joyeugene.com, you can see we have the Monday moment, we have a midweek service going on, there's groups that are taking place, Bible studies, all kinds of incredible things for all different age groups. Um, but yeah, for kids right now, if kids are like, man, I want to watch this guy, well, go to joyeugene.com slash live. And uh, kids, you have to participate, though, to get Easter candy. I think that's how it works. You actually have to go to church on Easter to get that candy. Um, for everyone else, this is an opportunity for us to practice biblical generosity and give. And so I want to give you an opportunity to give by going to joyeugene.com slash give. And we've got all different types of options on there where you can set up uh, a transfer or give through credit card, or you can even set up text to give. And so for those of us that call Joy Church home, uh, that this is our church family, that we support the mission and the vision of our church and what God is doing, this is our opportunity to give. Let's, let's pray real quick. Father, thank you for the generosity of your people. Thank you that you provide for all of our needs and you provide everything that we have. Lord, it's our uh, act of worship and our act of obedience and our privilege and honor to give and return to you the things that you've given to us. Lord, you've blessed us so much more than we could ever give back to you. So we thank you that we can worship you even in our giving. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're going to jump into the sermon, and I'm so excited. I want to talk to you about this word, undeniable. Undeniable. Now, for Christians all across the world, followers of Jesus, Easter Sunday is about the resurrection of Christ. And this is not just a religious or uh, a religious event. It's not just a metaphor. It's not just uh, even a historical thing. But we believe as Christians that this is an event that actually took place in history, but it doesn't just live in history. It actually uh, carries ramifications for us right now, today. And in fact, the impact of the resurrection of Christ is 
undeniable. That is what Christians believe. Now, you might go, well, hey, I'm not a Christian. I'm just checking this out. And maybe you're tempted right now to tune away. But I want you to lean in and listen just for a few minutes as we talk about the power and the impact of the resurrection. And and I believe you will see why this could potentially become undeniable for you. uh, And you can see why Christians actually believe this. So I want to encourage you to lean in and see why Christians believe this. It's not just because of history or something that may or may not have happened, but it's because of what is happening in our hearts and lives as Christ is alive and at work in his people. So I'm excited that you're here. Let's jump into this and talk about it. So I want to start with this uh, piece of scripture, this passage that comes out of a, of a letter uh, in the New Testament written by one of Jesus' disciples. It was actually one of Jesus' closest friends on the earth when he was uh, in his earthly ministry, when he was here 2,000 years ago, a man named John. One of Jesus' disciples wrote a letter, and it's called First John. And I love these New Testament authors. Their books are very creatively titled. It's like, this is the book of, oh, I think John. I'm just going to name it after themselves. But it says in 1 John chapter 1, from the very first day, we were there. Now, what does he mean we were there? He's talking about this experience of being with Jesus, okay? He says, we were there taking it all in. We heard it with our own ears. We saw it with our own eyes. And we verified it with our own hands. Now, if you're like me, you're probably one of those types of people who is interested in empirical data. Like, I want to make sure that I verify things. Like, I'm a person who very much so cares about science. Now, maybe you're someone who's like, well, I thought you were a Christian. Aren't Christians all just kind of like, la, 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 everything goes, science isn't real, and, and you guys just believe in two naked people and a talking snake, and a guy gets eaten by this fish, and all this kind of stuff. Okay, hang on one second. Christians believe in the, a supernatural world, but it doesn't mean that we believe in an unscientific worldview. And, I, and I, if you've heard that type of stuff before, I, I hope that you'll listen up today because for me, I'm actually a very scientific type of person, except for I believe in a supernatural creator uh, that interjected himself or that is at work even in our world. So there's a natural and a supernatural, but the natural world actually operates according to scientific principles. And so this thing that we call empirical verification, this is what John is talking about even thousands of years ago. He's like, we saw it, we heard it, we touched it, we, we verified it. He says the word of life appeared right before our eyes. We saw it happen, okay? This isn't pie in the sky. This isn't just abstract philosophy. This is flesh and blood where we were there, eyewitness account. He says, and now we're telling you in most Sober prose. I like that translation. It's very highfalutin. (laughs) We tell you in most sober prose that what we witnessed was incredibly this. The infinite life of God himself took shape before us. And he's referencing Jesus. Jesus carrying, being God, coming down and and inhabiting a, a body and being on this planet. He's talking about this mysterious thing. He says, we saw it, we heard it, and now we're telling you so you can experience it along with us. And this word experience is critical to the Christian worldview because the Christian worldview is not just abstract ideas or philosophies or beliefs. Okay, if I pray this prayer and, I, and I'm a good person, I get to go to heaven when I die. No, that's really missing it. The Christian faith is not to be just abstract and intellectual, but it's to be experienced. It's to be tangible and actually make an impact in our real day-to-day life. And so John says, I want you to experience it along with us, this experience of communion or relationship with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. Our motive for writing is simply this. 
we want you to enjoy this too. We want you to enjoy this. We want you to experience this. We want you to taste and see that the Lord is good. We want you to get into this for yourself. And he says this in close, your joy will double our joy. Now, I think we all get this sentiment because when you find a killer restaurant, and how many of you like me are excited about the day when all of our favorite restaurants open up again and we get to go in there and have this big party, right? Maybe you'd love to call me up and buy me lunch. That'd be awesome, right? Uh, Or maybe I'd love to buy you lunch. We'll see. Uh, But that day when we get to flood into our favorite restaurants and order all the wonderful food, but when you find a restaurant that you really love, and you have people in your life that you care about, what do you do? You say, man, I found this wing place, and the wings are amazing. I found this place uh, that serves the best ribs. I found this place. I guess I'm just hungry for meat right now. That's what it is. I found this place, and you tell people why, because it actually doubles your joy when other people can experience it for themselves, and that's what John is talking about. Hey, we experienced Jesus. We connected with him in a tangible, real way, and we loved it. And we want you to connect with this reality. So we're talking about this word undeniable, the undeniability of the impact of Jesus. And maybe you have been around religious people, Christian people, and you're like, man, uh, tone it down a bit because you seem to be a little bit like excited about this. But there's actually some, some truth to that because when you have connected with Christ, there's an experience that comes in a real relationship with Jesus that it, it changes you forever. You're marked, you're different, and you want other people to experience it for themselves. So we're talking about this word undeniable. Now, in, an, in, an, uh, uh, in a negative sense, one of my least favorite things, and maybe you're like me, my very least favorite things in life is to spill food on my shirt or my pants or whatever. Uh, even this, this very day or recently this week, I was uh, taking this pork chop out of the, the skillet and it had some juices and things and I kind of dropped it and it splashed and it splashed up onto my clothes and I was like, it just fries me to spill. And as you know, it's like an unwritten law of the universe that if you wear white at any point, if you have a white shirt, white coat, whatever, I don't know why I would wear a white coat. That seems a little bit pretentious. But uh, if you're wearing white, you're definitely going to get mustard on it or ketchup, right? It's just an unwritten law of the universe. Now, one of my favorite things to do is eat. Can I get an amen to that? Uh, But one of my very favorite things to eat is my wife's spaghetti pasta and meatballs. Come on, somebody, right? I'm Sicilian. I'm talking about it right now. Get some pasta and meatballs. And one of the things I'll do is if I have any kind of clothing that I care about at any, uh, at, at any level, when we sit down to eat this heaping platter of pasta covered with sauce, people are getting hungry right now, meatballs and covered in Parmesan cheese, I'll actually take my shirt off, right? I just, because I'm going to go for it. And I know that that is going to splatter and get all over me. But if you're wearing white, if you have any kind of clothes you care about and you go to a meal, what's going to happen? You're definitely going to get food on you. And then you have to go back to the office or go back home or whatever. And you look like a total schmuck, right? It's undeniable that you messed up and the ketchup is now on your shirt. And that's one of my least favorite things. But I have a story that really trumps all stories about being undeniable. Like you can't hide it. You can't suppress it. You couldn't, you can't run away from it if you tried. When I was about 17 or 18 years old, I was in a college internship, and a friend uh, of mine and I, we were actually doing a fundraiser, okay? So we borrowed my dad's uh, old 1987 Chevy Suburban. And if you remember 87 Suburbans, right, these are like basically tanks without the gun. That's the only difference. There's so much metal in one Suburban, it can actually make four Priuses, I think. It's, it's huge, absolutely massive. Don't quote me on that. 
but this massive rig, and, uh, and we we're on this fundraiser where we're selling these Christmas tree wreaths. And uh, don't ask me why we're doing this, but we're trying to raise money for the school. So we're taking these Christmas tree wreaths around this neighborhood. We come to this dead end, and there's this big gravel lot. My friend says to me, hey, Jake, why don't you do a Brody? And I'm like, oh, what's a Brody? You know, I didn't even know. He's like, well, that's what you do is you, you slam on the gas, and then you, you, you turn the wheel, and you hit the brake. And so me being that Rhodes Scholar that I am, this genius, you know, I, I decided to go along with this. And so I did a Brody. Now, I do want the record to, to state that I executed it flawlessly, okay? We, we did the whole thing, and, and it felt awesome. It kind of felt like a James Bond movie or Fast and the Furious. I mean, very, very cool. I'm sure all of the people that saw it happen uh, thought it was very awesome, which was no one. So do this Brody, and we hear this kind of thumping in the back of the Suburban. And so we're like, huh, I wonder what that is. We parked the Suburban. We, we go to the back doors, and it was those two double doors, and I can remember this very well, and we open the doors. And all of a sudden, this thick, amber-colored, viscous, thick liquid, like honey almost, it looked like, comes out, pouring out in a, wa- a waterfall out of the back of the Suburban. And it's a sheet of this thick liquid. And you go, what the heck? Yeah. Unbeknownst to us, my dad had decided to store five or 10 gallons of peanut oil for frying a turkey. And it was in the back of the Suburban. The, the apparatus, the, the fryer part was there and this big giant plastic tub of thin plastic. And when we had done this perfectly executed Brody, it smashed it and all this liquid spilled and it sloshed up the side. It was on the windows of the Suburban. It filled the entire back cabin. It went up into the carpet of the, of the, the back of the car here and it spilled over, and both of us just stood there and looked at it, and, I, and the thought that crossed my mind was, I'm dead. Why? Because this is undeniable, right? Normal situation, you spill something, you clean it up, you hope dad doesn't find out, but in this case, there was absolutely no way that I could get away with this. I was absolutely caught, not red-handed, but peanut oil-handed, and that car, <laughs> to the day that we ended up giving it away to someone or selling it or whatever, it smelled very peanut-like, uh, and I spent hours and hours and hours and hours. I remember having to go into my dad. He was in a, a staff meeting, having to knock on his office door, yes, and come in and sheepishly, Dad, I have something to tell you. And he walks me outside and I tell him, and he's just like, oh my gosh, you know. I don't think he was even mad at me because it was too ridiculous. But absolutely undeniable. Couldn't hide it. Couldn't contain it. Couldn't deal with it. It had to come out. And this is exactly how the resurrection of Jesus was and is today. You see, the resurrection of Jesus was an event that actually took place in history, and it really changed everything about history, and it changed the personal history of every person that connected with Christ as he lived, as he died, and as he rose again. This event of the resurrection is an undeniable thing. And listen, you might be listening to me today, uh, because I know people of all different backgrounds are listening, and that's great. I'm so excited. Even if you're not today, if you're not a person that is a card-carrying member of the Christian faith, you're not a follower of Jesus at this point in your life, that's great. I'm glad you're here. Thank you for being here. So listen, if you're skeptical about this, I want to share just a few things about why the, this event is actually historical and why you can believe that as a rational person, even in the 21st century. What we see in scripture is that there were actually at least 500 eyewitnesses, okay? And, and the 500 people that saw Jesus 
post his death, burial, and then resurrection. 500 people. And Paul, as he's writing in one of the New Testament letters, which is widely disseminated across the, the Near Eastern world of that time, he says, hey, we saw Jesus, and there were actually 500 people at various different times that saw him basically to say, look, you can check this fact. You can check this. It's backed up by evidence. 500 people saw him. Another piece of evidence that really, for me, carries a lot of weight is this, that people, specifically Jesus' personal disciples, but even other followers of Jesus, were brutally murdered for their belief in Christ and his resurrection. They were put to death in horrendous ways, boiled in oil, thrown off buildings, fed to lions, all these types of things, cut in pieces, uh, and, and brutally murdered for their belief and wouldn't even recant that belief under torture. One of Jesus' disciples was a man named Thomas. He's the guy that we, we get our phrase, doubting Thomas, because he doubted Jesus. But then when Jesus showed up resurrected, Jesus said, hey, put your hands in my wounds and feel and see. And Thomas did that, and he believed in Jesus. Thomas ended up actually going to southern India as a missionary uh, at, towards the end of his life. He, he was there in India, and he was actually martyred by, by getting uh, speared like these javelins, long spikes. Now, I, I just think about that. It's kind of a gross morbid kind of thing to think about, but just bear with me for a second. As you're getting speared, as you're becoming a human shish kebab, don't you rethink, do I really believe this guy rose from the dead? Because if someone started to, I don't like pain. I don't know about you. I just, I try to avoid it whenever possible. If somebody's poking me or pinching me, you know, I'm, I'm immediately going back. If you're being speared, why aren't you rethinking your life choices at this moment? So what does that tell you about the, the confidence of his belief? This is not blind faith. This is, I saw him, I touched him. We saw him with our own eyes. He was unmistakably there. Undeniably, he was with us. People were brutally murdered for their belief, wouldn't even recant under torture. Another piece of evidence that for me is, is quite compelling is this, that Jesus' own brother and his own family believed that he was divine and believed he was God and that he'd risen from the dead. Now, you might believe you're God, but I guarantee you, your family, they don't, they're not convinced, right? If I walk into the room and I'm like, hey guys, I'm your older brother, I'm divine, I'm, I'm God, you know, I rose from the dead, they're, get out of here, right? Go, go, make, go make us some dinner. I'm going to get cast out. But Jesus' family accepted him. His brother James becomes the leader of the church in Jerusalem. How, how does that even happen? Because you couldn't deny it. It was too real, too tangible. It wasn't something that was just metaphorical. It was real. Even Jesus' political and religious enemies, and let me tell you, you don't get any worse enemies than political and religious, right? People love to fight about religion and politics. Come on. Jesus' political and religious enemies, being the, even a Roman centurion and, and Roman uh, uh, officials and members of the Jewish high council, what's called the Sanhedrin, even they became followers and witnesses and believers in Jesus. In fact, they became believers in droves after Jesus rose from the dead because it was undeniable. So I want to say to you, if you're a skeptic, to lean into this, the, the, here's the thing. I, I don't propose to convince you with the things that I just said. In fact, I don't think that I can convince you, and I don't even, that's not even my goal at this point. But what I would encourage you to do is at least open your heart and mind and pursue this for yourself because I believe that God is not afraid of honest doubt. In fact, some of the most well-known Christian scholars and, and different people started off their journey trying to disprove, trying to 
uh, uncover the flaw in the Christian worldview or uncover the flaw in the historical narrative and ended up actually becoming people of faith, not in spite of the evidence, but because of it. So I want to encourage you, do not suspend uh, your, your search. Continue to ask questions. Continue to be an open-minded person and pursue the evidence for yourself. But moving on from that, for many people, probably many of you that are watching this right now, the facts or the historical narrative of the resurrection is probably not your problem. If somebody said, why are you or not a Christian? You probably don't say, well, you know, it's because the evidence, da, 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 da. Most people, they're not really thinking at that level. And that's not a bad thing. Most of us are more thinking of like, what does this have to do with my life right now? Sure, some people saw this guy that may or may not have risen from the dead. Sure, these things happen. And I can talk to you all day about that it did, but it's not an argument because what the, the real question is about what are you going to do with Jesus? What are you going to do with this presentation of the gospel? How does it impact you on a personal level? So maybe Jesus' resurrection is undeniable, but for many people, unfortunately, Christianity as a religion or as a faith, at least the way they perceive or understand it, has become exceptionally deniable, has become so resistible and deniable. And there's several reasons for this, and I'll just list a few. One of them is that you, you perhaps have interacted with Christians and you've seen hypocrisy, right? Now, as a Christian and as a pastor, I will tell you, there is absolutely hypocrisy in the church. And you go, oh, like it's a shocking secret. No, you know, do you know why there's hypocrisy in church? The reason why is because there are people in church and people struggle staying in integrity and alignment with their values, whether they are a Christian or not, okay? So you find hypocrisy all over the world, but when Christians are hypocritical, it is kind of shocking and kind of off because what also tends to happen with hypocrisy is self-righteousness or the holier than thou, you know? So maybe your experience of Christians or, or Christianity is like judgmental. Well, you're bad and this is you. And that's really missing the, the, the point um, for when Christians are being judgmental and like that's missing what Jesus really did. But perhaps for you, that's a reason why you've said, man, this is just deniable for me. Maybe Jesus rose from the dead, but I don't want anything to do with this Christianity thing. That could be a reason why, okay? Now, I'm not going to leave you there, let's, let, but let's keep talking about this. Another reason that maybe Jesus and the Christian faith is very deniable for you is that it's just very confusing. It's like this confusion about what Christianity really is or isn't, and you hear well, you know, you, to be a Christian, you have to believe every single word in the Bible, and that means that you have to believe the earth is 6,000 years old, and you have to light this candle, and if you don't pray, and the bead has to go to the right, and we do a spin, and we all turn together, and we wear these robes, and if you come here, you got to say pastor, or you got to call this guy bishop, and you're like, what is that? Isn't that a chess piece? And you don't even understand, right? And, and, and it's very confusing. It's like so much to, to bring in. But the reality is a lot of these things have come of the traditions of man. It's been added on over time. Uh, it, it comes, some of it's, it's, it's faithful to scripture, but a lot of it is really kind of obfuscating or confusing the central thing. So let me tell you what the thing is, the central thing of Christianity. It's believing and giving your, your life to Jesus. It's it's, it's accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior and following him and letting him lead and guide you to be a part of his church. He's going to lead you and guide you in so many different things. 
Uh, and, and yes, the church is full of hypocrites. Yes, it's imperfect. And we should expect it to be so because we're broken people pursuing a perfect God, okay? But maybe those are things that have really kept you away. And I want to express sympathy and empathy for you because even as a pastor and even as a Christian, I've got my share of doubts and confusions and like, why don't we do this? And what is that? And and, and what I love about God is that he's so big and good and smart and above it all that even in the mess that we as humans sometimes create, even in his name, he's still at work. And this is powerful, that it's not my ability as a human to perceive and see and get it all right. It's in this simple fact that God sent Jesus to this planet to die on the cross and to rise again to pay for my sins and restore my relationship with him. And so I can cling to these big things, these, these big truths, these, these themes of the real Christian faith, of the love of God, the forgiveness of God, the grace of God revealed in his son Jesus. And so I hope that puts your mind at ease to a certain degree to recognize that you're not crazy or, or jaded to feel some of these things. These are things that perhaps kind of have made it very deniable for you. But I think probably the biggest reason of them all that it can be very deniable for us is that it doesn't really seem relevant to our real life. You know, we look at this historical event of the resurrection. We think about the Christian faith and the Christian worldview, or we don't think about it, however it pans out for us. And the reality is it's just not real to us. It's just not impacting our day in and day out life. And I interact with people all the time and I'll, I'll hear statements like this, which I think are, are well-spoken. They'll say, well, you don't need to be a Christian to be a good person. We say, well, okay, technically no. And we could go on and talk about that. Well, you don't need to be a Christian to have community. You don't need to be part of a church to have a relationship with God. And there's all these types of statements that kind of come out. And I think what happens, though, at the root of these is that it's just kind of disconnected. Religion or faith or the Christian faith just gets kind of disconnected. And it's for a lot of these reasons, hypocrisy, confusion, people messing it up, all this kind of stuff. But I want to talk to you today about what truly is undeniable. Because as a person who has really found faith in Christ and chosen to believe and connected with the truth of the Christian worldview, for me, it's not just this abstract thing that I chose to believe or I was convinced and persuaded for me, it was these deep, undeniable questions and these real heart cries and longings and things that I only could find satisfaction and answer in the person of Jesus, in a relationship with Christ, okay? So here's what's really undeniable. I think something we can connect with, all of us. The world that we are in, this society, this culture, this world that we all live in, this universe, is a broken place, as I am sharing this message, you and I in our community and all those that are watching this, even if you watch it on a replay later, at this moment right now, we are in a pandemic. We are in a virus-infected uh, in world that is literally, it's, it's crazy, right, that we're going through this. Places are closed. Businesses are closed. There's all kinds of death and sickness and disease and all of this. And, and we can realize just, just by turning on the news or even just walking out into the streets in our cities that the world is broken, that something is wrong. But even before this pandemic, we recognize that there is injustice and corruption. And this isn't a political thing, whether you are uh, on the far left or the far right or somewhere in the middle, 
obviously your politics are correct and the other side's wrong, right? As long as we all know that mine are right, yours are wrong. No, but we can all admit that even, even when our guy or our lady or our lady or guy or whatever is or isn't in office, there's injustice, there's corruption, there's oppression in our nation and around the world. But we see this, we, we, we perceive it, it's there. There's bitter disunity and anger. Maybe right now, even in relationships in your life, you've got family that you've cut them off or they've cut you off or this, they said this and how dare they. And, and then you have, oh, the Democrats or oh, the Republicans. And, and we live in this fractured culture where relationships are severed. People that maybe you could sit down and have a, have a, have a drink with and watch a football game, like you can't even hang out with them because they voted for this other person. And there's all this bitter disunity and anger even the creation, as we talked about with sickness and disease, is out of order. In fact, the scriptures, the, the Bible, inside the Bible, it talks about the fact that creation literally groans. It, it's longing to be restored and reconciled back to the original purposes of God, back to what God intended it to be all along. That is undeniable, okay? But going even a little bit deeper on the inside, what is also undeniable is not just that there's problem with the world, but there's actually a problem inside of us. There's a problem with us. One of my favorite writers is a guy named G.K. Chesterton, and he's an, a, a dead British guy, which a lot of my favorite writers are dead British guys. And uh, G.K. Chesterton was once uh, asked to write an article. It was a response into a, a journal or a digest or newspaper. They said, write us an essay about what is wrong with the world. And G.K. Chesterton was this very verbose, uh, you know, wordy kind of guy. He, he was a brilliant writer. And he wrote probably the most succinct and brilliant answer to that question, what is wrong with the world. He wrote in and it said, Dear sir, I am. Four words. Dear sir, I am. What is wrong with the world? Because when we really break it down, where all this strife and problems and all these things come from, a lot of it's coming from our hearts. It's coming from the inside out. You and I are broken. That is what is undeniable. That even on a good day, we still struggle with the dark side of our nature, right? We still struggle with greed, with addiction. We still struggle with anger. We still struggle with putting ourselves first and being selfish. And we still struggle with manipulating or lying or deceiving others. This is what we call sin. Paul tells us in, in uh, Romans chapter 6, Paul was a guy that is known for writing a lot of the New Testament under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He was called supernaturally by Jesus to be a disciple or an apostle. And Paul wrote some brilliant things in this letter to the church in Rome. It's this book that we call Romans. And in Romans chapter 6, Paul says the wages of sin is death. When you sin, which just means to miss the mark, to do the opposite or the missing what God wants you to do in life, and we've all sinned and missed the mark in some way or another. What comes out of that, what is the result? The wages is death. That death impacts us in all ways. It, it impacts us physically. It impacts us uh, emotionally, and it impacts us, impacts us spiritually. Death gets into the, the mix, and it messes everything up. And that is the problem that all of us are struggling with that is very undeniable that we feel, even if you think, man, Christianity is a load of garbage. This worldview, I don't accept it. It's just, it's fantasy, all of that. But you can't deny the brokenness in the world. Because when you really get honest with yourself and you lay your head down at the, on the pillow at the end of the day, can you really say, oh, I feel nothing 
uh, uh, no guilt, no shame. I feel nothing about my actions or my behaviors. The reality is all of us recognize in us that there's a desire to be better. And where does that even come from? One of my other favorite dead British authors is a man named C.S. Lewis. And he said, if I find in myself a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, I must conclude I was made for another world. And he's talking about this transcendent pull, this thing that calls us to be better. Where does it even come from? And I would put forward to you today that it's coming because you were designed for relationship with God. You were designed to live at peace with creation and not abuse and, and mess up the earth, that we were designed to live at peace and harmony with one another, and that we recognize there's this echo that is calling to us from some unknown past or some unknown future that's saying, hey, there's more to life than just, uh, just getting by, getting ahead, or getting even. That we're more than just time plus slime plus chance. That there's something about being a human that means more than just dancing to the tune of our DNA. And that is why we feel that discontent. That is why we feel that urge to be more, to be better, to make something of ourselves, make something of the world. And yet sin has come in and messed it all up and we experience it and we've been hurt, but we've also hurt other people, right? We, we, are, both, we are both the recipient of the pain and the creator and the cause of that pain. And that is truly undeniable. In Romans 5, uh, sorry, Romans 3.23, Paul says in this passage, for everyone is sin. So it's not like, oh, I'm telling you that you're a sinner. No, we, we, we're all part of this. Everyone has sinned and we all fall short of God's glorious standard, okay? That is what is undeniable. But let me tell you something that is even deeper and greater and more beautiful. Something that, that comes in and why I believe this Christian story and this Resurrection Sunday and this message that you're hearing right now is so powerful because as undeniable as the brokenness and the problem of our world and the internal problem, as undeniable as that and actually more undeniable is the fact that God's grace and his love is undeniable. That we have a God that looking down into our plight, into our situation, didn't leave us alone, didn't choose to let us just, just lie in the, the muck and the mud of our own mess, but sent his son Jesus to be the payment for our sins and reconcile us with him. His grace is undeniable. So Paul says, everybody's sin, we've all fallen short, but the very next verse, in verse 24, he says, yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. Undeniably good, undeniably gracious, undeniably amazing. That is our God. And I can tell you right now as we get ready to finish up today that for me, my belief in Christ, my belief in, in, in the Christian faith is not just intellectual, it's personal. I was 15 years old. I remember this night where I was being critical and mean because I was insecure and I had a lot of wounds and hurts and I'd been bullied. And I was being really mean to this girl that was a friend of mine in a youth group that I was in. And I was just letting her have it, just teasing her, all this kind of stuff. And I go back home and I went into my mom's room. My dad was actually gone on a trip. It was really late at night and I sat down and, and she's like, how did it go? How did it go? And, and the memories flashed back. And in that moment, I felt such shame for, for my actions. But at the same time, I felt God's love in a spiritual, mystical, supernatural way. And I re recognized, man, God is here. He's speaking to me. And I said, Jesus, please forgive me. And in that moment, I felt such a rush of acceptance and love where God's grace began to come in and actually start to make right those parts of me that were, that were wrong. And, and I wish I could tell you today, man, I'm perfect now. I just never, never sin. No, not at all. It's a, it's a process. 
but I was saved in that moment. And that is for you what is possible today, that you can have this undeniable encounter, experience, wonderful relationship with Jesus. What do you need to do to get that, my friend? You just need to believe and trust in Jesus and follow him as your Lord and Savior. So tonight, this morning, wherever you are watching on a replay, I want to invite you to pray this prayer. I want to invite you to really put your faith in response to these words that I've given you to put your faith in Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I put my trust and faith in you and in you alone. I thank you that 2,000 years ago, you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sins and to pay for my failures, my mistakes that had earned for me an eternity separated from you. Lord, I receive your grace and love and I receive that payment that you made on my behalf and I ask that you'd be my Lord and Savior and that you'd give me the grace to follow you every day of my life. In Jesus' name, awesome. Hey, if you prayed that prayer today, I wanna encourage you to take a very small step of faith wherever you are, okay? Very small step of faith. I wanna ask you to text the word decided, okay? D-E-C-I-D-E-D. We're gonna put it on the screen for you. Text the word decided to this number, 541-229-8848. 541-229-8848. If you will send that word, that's all you gotta do, okay? Very, very simple. I wanna encourage you to do that. Please don't miss this step. What we're gonna do is we're gonna send you a couple of communications over the next few days and we're gonna get in contact with you to help you walk out this brand new relationship with Jesus because being a Christian is not meant to be isolated. When you're saved, when you become a follower of Jesus, you get brought into the family of God. You get brought into community and no, you're not perfect and no, not everybody in church is perfect, not at all. But we, we live this life of following Jesus and pursuing him Uh, We do that together. So I want to encourage you to take that step. Don't neglect it. Follow through with that. Text the word decided to 541-229-8848. And then last but certainly not least, if you want to get connected with Joy Church, if you want to connect with this wonderful community of people that are loving and gracious and awesome people, not perfect, but a great community, I want to encourage you to text the uh, fill out a welcome home card. And all you have to do is text the word home to that same number. Text the word home to 541-229-8848. That's the word home to 541-229-8848. Hey, it's been so wonderful being with you today. Have a great Easter. Go eat a bunch of Easter candy guilt-free. What a wonderful day. Let me pray for you and we're gonna send you off. Have a great Easter. Father, thank you for this time. We worship you. We celebrate the fact that Jesus, you came 2,000 years ago. You lived a perfect life. You died upon the cross as a payment for our sins, but you did not stay in that grave. You were raised from the dead. And we thank you that that same resurrection power, that same spirit that raised you from the dead dwells on the inside of us, as the scriptures say. And we can partake in that life and that grace and that love and live free and experience your undeniable power in our lives. I pray a blessing on our city, our community, each person that's watching this, whether live uh, this morning or another time, Lord, I pray that they would be encouraged and filled with hope today. God, we give you this time in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Have a wonderful Easter.